Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Road. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm so good. All right, and welcome back to the show, Ashley Park. Ashley was on our Queer Romance episode. Ashley is a writer for television and AAA games. How you doing, Ashley Park? I'm doing fairly well. Well, it's good to have you back on the show. And joining us as well is Ashley Cooper, a writer for games and a comedian. Ashley, how you doing? I'm not doing too bad, all things considered. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a hell of a week, but uh, I'm glad that we have something to distract ourselves, at least for an hour or two. Um, this will be an interesting sort of experience with Ashley Park and Ashley Cooper. I'm not sure if you guys ever watched Recess growing up, but it feels like the Ashley Club. Yeah, we have two Ashleys. Well, I am Spinelli. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's true. If you were anyone, you're Spinelli. So what are we going to do? We got Ashley P, Ashley C. Like I think, gonna... yes, your highness and your excellency. Well, well everyone knows which is which. <laughs> yeah, that won't be confusing at all. <laughs> no, totally. It'll be fine. I serve at the pleasure of the court. Whatever everybody else decides on is fine by me. So today, we are talking about Life is Strange. Originally released in 2015, Life is Strange is part of the adventure game genre, where your dialogue choices will impact the narrative outcome of the game. This mechanic is a staple of Bioware RPGs, and it was turned on its head by Telltale when they crafted a system that sets a timer on your choices, forcing you to act instinctively without being able to weigh your options. They also had the save file permanently update itself after each decision, preventing the player from save scumming to see the impact of their choices. Life is Strange turned the genre on its head once more, and had the game revolve around a time travel mechanic that would allow the player to always see the short-term consequences of their actions, and travel back a short amount of time to remake the decision before moving on. Now, this is the first time on the podcast that we are exclusively focusing on a story-heavy game, so it is worth noting, this will best be enjoyed by people who have played the game. There will definitely be spoilers for the first game, and we won't be doing a plot summary because that would take up about half the episode. Oh my god, there's so much plot in the game. <laughs> the plot is the game. That's that's the thing. So like, a the, little backstory for anyone listening. like Travis, you and Ashley both insisted that I play this game before we do this episode. And I'm so glad that you did because I, I sort of got into it and I was like, I kind of got the gist. I was like, okay, like I get, I get how the game works and like we can do the show. And then they were both kind of like, oh, it's, it's about to get good. And so I was like, okay, I'll go back and I, and I you know, I get into the, it's cause it's episodic, right? There are five episodes in this, in this game. Um, and, uh, and I, I gotta say, I'm really glad that you guys did, because wow, what a, what a ride. Because what was it? You were like in the middle of episode two, so right before yeah, the shit I, hit the fan, and you're just like, oh, no, I've got a good grasp on it. And Travis and I were both like, <laughs> nuh-uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're in this. for it right now. <laughs> and you, you guys were 100% right. Oh, my gosh. I cannot even believe. So, yeah, like Travis said, spoiler warning. Uh, if if you have played the game, you'll know what's up. If you haven't played the game and you want to, speaking as someone who just did, just go do it. Just go play the game because it's so good and it's and you know what the sad thing is it's like it's from 2015 right guys uh it was originally first episode was released in 2015 yeah 2015 yeah and then they did it like over the course of a year and uh and so like i feel like the statute of limitations is sort of up on the on the spoiler (laughs) warnings you know like i feel i I don't really feel like i have a right to but but if you haven't played the game you don't intend to play it and you're listening to this episode um just enjoy 
and just, uh, you know, join us on this journey, won't you? <laughs> I would be so curious to talk to somebody that listens to this that hasn't played the game or doesn't intend to and find out what they get out of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, because trying to do a plot summary would take so long, especially because you have to go through all of the different choices that can be made and the outcomes of them. Oh, yeah. I don't even know how you would accomplish it. It would just take so long. It's it's the choose your own adventure. It's the choose your own adventure, which is becoming increasingly popular. We've seen it uh, with Black Mirror. Uh, you know, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt even has like a choose your own adventure on Netflix now. Uh, and these even harken back to like the Goosebumps books of R.L. Stein and like the Animorphs <laughs> books. And, oh, like, my the... God. Memories. <laughs> yeah, right. Just take a stroll down memory lane with all those. And uh, and it, it just pushes that envelope a little bit further. Now, Travis, I feel like they made a they made a game before uh, Life is Strange, didn't they? I don't not. I, mm, I Mike, you're calling me out. I'm not doing my research here. Um, oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I think they did. And you know, I think it had like a. It was a. It was kind of ironic. I think that it was called Remember Me or something like that. Oh yes, that was Don't Nod. Yes, uh, that, isn't that funny? It's like such a forgettable game, and it's called Remember Me. <laughs> It was more of a plea than a title. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I didn't, I haven't played that or anything. I just, I sort of did a a little breeze through on the internet to see, but uh, as you can tell, I'm super stoked. I'm really, I'm fresh off this game. I want to hear what, what I feel like I'm, I'm late to the party, but like, holy crap. When I first played it, I also had no idea what I was getting myself into uh, in very much the same way, I had a friend highly recommend it to me, and he was somebody whose opinion I generally trust in terms of like taste in games. So I tried it out, and I kind of had the exact same experience you did. I got into it, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I get this. This is cool. Mm-hmm. And was not emotionally or physically prepared for the way that it ups its stakes, both mechanically and narratively. Oh, yeah. And it was just mm-hmm. like, what the f- fuck is this game oh my lord like by the time we start getting into alternate timelines and diving into photos and stuff like that i was like what oh my god and it starts to get really surreal and weird Mm -hmm. in like the last act of the game and stuff uh and it just it blew me away i bawled like a baby like it just really overall had like a really strong emotional effect for me yeah i i'm not gonna pretend I'm manly by any means but I you know any illusion of that just eroded you know getting closer to the end of the game when I'm just like sitting on my futon just like crying my eyes out to these fictional characters that have made their way into my heart oh yeah um it's funny because I I think also went into this game not knowing too much about it but I had had it recommended it to me and I think like I had a couple friends who had already played the game who basically, you know, like when someone has seen the movie first and they're watching you intently to see what your reaction is and you kind <laughs> yeah, of got that totally. over your shoulder. <laughs> I was having that where they're just like, update me. Like they made me stay on a group chat with them. Oh, wow. And I basically was almost like live tweeting my experience <laughs> playing the game where they're just like, don't worry, you're going to get to that part. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean that part? And then that part hit and I was like, huh, what have you made me do? <laughs> and that's, you know, and that's tricky too, because I feel like with the genre, with the choose your own adventure, it's like, it doesn't even guarantee that you're going to hit certain beats in the story too. That's true. Like, I just be like, I killed my plant. I overwatered it. And they're like, oh, uh. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so you know what? Maybe let's back it up. Let's go to the beginning of of this whole thing. So for people who you know aren't f- familiar, uh, who you know who are we playing as in the game? So we start as uh, Max Caulfield, who is at a. Mm, high school, university, prep school is never really clear. It's like a private high school, like boarding school. No, yeah. it's it's university because yeah. it's like post high school because she's she's eighteen. Yeah, the it's... reason I remember this is because the what's the the sort of eerie there's a there's a groundskeeper who's like kind of uh, what's his name? Oh, um, the creepy guy who talks like this <laughs> and he says that he's watching. Yeah, he loves the squirrels. Samuel the groundskeeper. Yeah. It's like, ah, the, the squirrels, I, I, I take after them. I, I give them my donuts and, uh, and everything. But he's actually, he's super harmless. I really thought like a, when you guys were talking about a twist uh, in the Facebook chat or like, you didn't even say a twist, but you, you were like, oh, it gets good. I really thought that it was going to go like in in the direction of Samuel being like a serial killer, like a hundred percent. I thought like because they set him up kind of like as this very weird guy, but he's so harmless for the, all the game. Unless there's a timeline I don't know about. I definitely at one point suspected everyone of being a serial killer. <laughs> I I did, and this is where the mechanics of mystery games actually kind of disappoint me, mm. um, because there's that moment where you get dragged into the principal's office, and they ask you, oh, right, you know, yeah. well, who would you blame for this? And it says, you know, Nathan Prescott, uh, David, I forget his last name, Chloe's stepdad, or Mr. Jefferson. Your choices are blame the stepdad, the step douche of of your be- of your old best friend. Yeah. Blame the the school bully who brought a gun to school. Or blame the the teacher who's kind of been your ally since the beginning of the game, uh, you know, ostensibly so, just sort of you know your 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 mentor almost, uh, and it, it you know that's a hard choice. Well, but this is the thing. I felt that there was so little pointing to Jefferson that at that point I was like, oh. So it has to be Jefferson. There is no way. Oh, so that made you suspicious? Oh, it made me so suspicious to the point where I was like, you guys, I feel like you kind of gave away the mystery a bit because wow. I had no reason to suspect Jefferson until you said that. And the fact that it's so out of left field makes me think, oh, so you're setting up for a twist. Okay. Yeah. I felt kind of let down. That was an M. Night Shyamalan twist. <laughs> I, I didn't pick up on that at all. That was, I mean, that's good Good detective skills, Travis. Holy crap. Yeah, you're a smarty pants. You figured it out the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have gotten away with it, too. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't anything about, like, subtle hints or things, this or that. It was the fact that I was told that he was one of three options. And I was like, well, Why? <laughs> and you, you play the, you're like, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I mean, I was a little disappointed by that specifically, but I mean, I still love Life is Strange so much. It's why I wanted to do an episode about it. I'm so glad. And of course, we're talking about it because it's queer. Yeah. So how did you guys feel about the queer romance and the queer representation within the game? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I already mentioned in the queer romance episode that I picked Warren because I cannot say no to a twink. I have a problem. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, Mike, you've just finished it. Did you, did you end up romancing Warren or Chloe or? You know what? I, I'm, I don't know. I didn't romance anyone. (laughs) Really? You know, you know what the climactic, so there's this climactic scene in, you know, when the storm is hitting and you're in the diner and it's like you and everyone taking shelter and Warren and you're like about to go do this like heroic thing. You're going to go into the photo and you know, you're going to fix everything and Warren's there and he's, and he's sort of like, like, you know, bearing his heart and soul to you. And, and, and I'm not going to lie. I went for the hug. <laughs> Cause you know, I feel like I, the, the romance thing is just, 
that's to me that's a relic of yesteryear. I'm like I, I'm just I want them to have like a really golden friendship that has carried them through um, this series of tragic events. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but you clearly made a different choice. So what what was your experience with that? Um, I sort of picked Warren and regretted it. I kind of like what that happens when you do. Not much. Like honestly, like we had probably pretty similar experiences, really, because the the game devs kind of seem. I'm not sure if it was like they were uninterested in Warren or it was a mm-hmm. deliberate comment on the fact that like they were trying to set up in the early chapters that, you know, the world is your oyster. You can change anything. You can bend the world to your will. Mm-hmm. And then later in the series, it really kind of hammers home the point of no, you can have literal time travel and you still can't get everything you want, which seems to be kind of a message of the game. I don't know. It could have been something where they just got bored with the character and they didn't really do anything with him, whereas Chloe seems to have an actual story. Or it was a direct comment on you can't have everything. So I I don't know which it is. It could be either. Um, I thought it was a commentary on how uninteresting straight men are. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That is. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of used as like a as a prop in the story. Like he there was that scene where uh, Nathan Prescott, like the rich kid, is he's like in the parking lot and sort of accosting you. And then Warren steps in and uh, and you just kind of leave him behind. He starts yeah, fighting he Nathan. Yeah, out. They don't even yeah. give you the option to help him. <laughs> no, there, no, there's no choice there. It's just like, oh, thanks, Warren, for just like bu- taking care of the bully. I'm going to drive off with this girl. Like, you don't check on him she leaves while he's on the ground being punched in the face yep and and you know that he brought a gun to school so yeah what like that doesn't (laughs) i'm like okay all right i guess i I have no choice so what about you ashley which Which ashley (laughs) (laughs) it begins this is not gonna get old for me i'm sorry i'm gonna keep this up (laughs) okay no what we're gonna do is we're gonna do this exactly in the style of life is strange if you guys want to hear from ashley park press x if you want to hear from ashley cooper press y okay so ashley park uh how did you feel about the queer romance in the game I didn't actually know that there was a romance option in the game when I first started playing like episode one and two. Mm-hmm. Although the second Chloe showed up and I'm just like, look at this like blue haired, like punk queer girl. Like I, if I can kiss her, I'm going to fucking kiss her. Like, <laughs> like I went in with an agenda. I was just- <laughs> the queer agenda. Did you go for the kiss in her room? Oh, for sure I did. And the thing is, is that um, I actually would hesitate to say that Life is Strange is a queer romance game Mm -hmm. it honestly feels like it's not really a romance game at all that kind of seems like an afterthought with both chloe and with warren like if you go in wanting to romance one of those characters and you're going to do like everything to try and like 100 max it you're really not going to end up with much by the end if anything i i have complicated feelings about life is strange because i do really love that game but there's some things I find like a bit problematic about it. And one of them <laughs> is like kind of like how they treat the queer romance in that game. But um, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. Like, again, like I don't think that it really was like a main feature of that game, but oh. like you, you would have preferred it to be more main stage than that or like the queer romance specifically or just romance in general or like what is it a what's your stance on that i think that the queer romance was treated a little differently than the romance with warren but it's a little confusing like this is purely speculation because i don't know what the dev cycle of that game was Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. obviously once you get to the end there does seem to be 
a path that's more heavily weighted by the developers, like a golden path ending. Yeah. And I think that Warren was actually probably your golden path romance. Really? Um, And again, this is pure speculation on my part, but here's why I think that. You can find out his birthday in the game, and it's he shares a birthday with the developer. <laughs> and <laughs> What's that called? Isn't there a word for when, a, when an author puts themselves in the story? A self-insert. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I think that in general, romance was kind of an afterthought with the game. It's, it's not really the main mechanic or the main feature of that game. Yeah. But even at least with Warren, you'll get texts. Other characters in the world will comment on the fact that he's got this crush on you. And with Chloe, there's nothing. But I think that because this was released episodically, I think they saw the really strong reaction to Chloe. Chloe and Max is kind of like the thing that most people resonated with, but that that was something that they kind of had to respond to as the game went on. And maybe because of having to pivot, they didn't really have enough time to actually set it up. So at the end, there's mixed signals going on right so and for anyone that hasn't played the game so what ash is referring to is sort of you get to this end point of the game where there's this big choice you have to make like the big dichotomous decision and uh and warren is not really a part of that at all and it's very much focused on like the blue-haired punk girl chloe who was like your former best friend who you've reconnected with and and has really been more of a focus uh and really like I, you know she she refers to herself as the sidekick in the game um, so, you know, it, it, the attention is then focused on her. And Ashley, you feel like um, the the development team maybe did a like a pivot and they, they changed the focus. Like it, maybe Warren was supposed to be standing with you at the lighthouse in front of the storm kind of thing. No, I think that probably it was still going to be Chloe because above everything, I think that that game is about the friendship between Chloe and Max. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really beautiful about it. Yeah. And that's why I really love that game because it represented a female friendship that had a lot of authenticity to it and a lot of really beautiful Mm -hmm. moments and a lot of beautiful connection. And there was a lot that I related to that friendship. And I think at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, that was always supposed to be the main relationship. But I think that they Mm -hmm. might have pivoted in offering you more romance choices or even hinting more at a romance with Chloe. And I think that's maybe what the pivot could have been. Interesting. Okay. Mm, Gotcha. Well, Ashley Cooper, what did you feel about it? Do you feel like that was a, a heavy focus of the game or do you feel like it was more of an afterthought? For me, it felt like flavor. Like, it's definitely not a focus of the game, but its inclusion was part of uh, including player agency. Like, yeah. these are characters that Max is friends with and has relationships with. But if you, the player, are like into them, into them, we can make that happen. And I kind of liked that about it. Like, I don't think that every game and every story needs like a grand romance or for that to even be you know, a significant part of the story. I kind of like that it takes a backseat and is kind of just like background noise a little bit. But I immediately was crushing hard on Chloe. And the second they give you the option to like go in for the playful kiss in her bedroom, I was like, she's mine. Like, like literally like that moment in the game was where I was like, so you're saying there's a chance. Like... It's funny, I feel like I have the exact opposite reaction to you guys because I ended up sort of, I want to say pursuing Warren, but as someone who did that, like, really got to tell you there's nothing there. Like, there's nothing there. Well, no, thank you for doing that for us, Travis. Yeah, no, I, I, I took that bullet for you. I'm glad I could do it. Um, Warren's, Warren's a cold fish. Well, it's just there's nothing there. Like, your relationship with Chloe is tearing the fabric of the universe apart, and Warren's just... There? 
Like, do you get a kiss with Warren in the diner? Uh, yeah, but that's it. Like, <laughs> you don't get any scenes with him. You don't get any interaction with him. You, you know, Chloe was your best friend growing up, and you are deciding whether she lives or dies twice in the game. You are getting interactions with her family. You are learning about her relationship with Rachel Amber. That hey, I... well, Warren wants to take you to a movie, okay? He wants to take you to go see. <laughs> but you never even go something. to the movie. Like, you know, That's you go, true, don't yeah. get to experience that. So I don't. <laughs> <You> don't. <laughs> yeah, it is a little weird to offer an option where one of them is along the uh, for the ride in the main story and the other one just periodically pops up to get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's it kind of funny. My, my boyfriend, Matt, um, refers to, you, you know how a lot of people say like this unnecessary gay character, like that's come up a lot with like Netflix shows and stuff like that. Mm. Warren is the unnecessary straight character. Like, <laughs> oh my God, no, he is. <laughs> he has no use in this story. Like my boyfriend pointed it out and he's right. Like he doesn't do anything. He literally just gets punched in the face and that's it. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, he. that's pretty much it really. Um, also, we touched very really briefly on the end of the game. Uh, And in our digital green room before when we were talking, you guys asked me a question that I didn't really understand and that you I remember you hoped wasn't spoiling the game for me. Uh, But you asked me, did I choose Bay or Bay? And uh, at the time, I didn't know what you were talking about. Um, (laughs) It's funny because I suspected Warren. I I really thought the choice was going to come between Warren and Maxine's hometown, Arcadia Bay. I was like, I thought he was the Bay. And I was like, okay, it's not much of a spoiler. Uh, And then when I got to the end, I was pleasantly surprised that it was actually Chloe and and that whole situation. Um, So, Travis, I want to ask, did you pick Bay or Bay? Uh, I picked Bay, which is so unhelpful. Um, it's like saying I picked Ashley. Homonyms. <laughs> <laughs> um, I picked Arcadia Bay. Well, okay, actually, here's the thing. So this is what I find so interesting about this is that um, mm-hmm. uh, if you guys have ever heard of Innuendo Studios, they are a channel on YouTube uh, run by Ian Danskin. Um, fantastic video essays. They do something called the Alt-Right Playbook, which is like deconstructing how... Um, the alt-right has risen to power and how we're living under fascism and yay. Uh, fantastic series, but... <laughs> I don't know if I'd yay that. Yeah, no, it's just, it's so, so yay. Uh, <laughs> he also did a video on Life is Strange, oh, cool. breaking down the fact that Life is Strange is kind of two different stories that are railroaded into each other, just smashed together. There is the coming-of-age story of Max trying to figure out who she's going to be in the world Mm -hmm. uh, and who she wants to become, and this Lynchian psychodrama about (laughs) a serial killer and that those two stories are just smashed together. It's a fantastic video. I really recommend anyone who likes Life is Strange to watch this. That sounds good. In fact, it does feel like, you know, I've never even seen Twin Peaks, but it does kind of feel like I kind of just got a dose of what it would be like. Yeah, there's a couple of nods in there to it. Um, But his framing of the ending is the idea that you basically, you can choose an ending to one of these stories, but not both. Mm. Like, you will either get a coming-of-age story where Max decides that she will sacrifice for the greater good and find her place in society and understand what she can have and what she can't, or it's a Lynchian psychodrama where fuck everything because everything is terrible and I just, I want my friend and I'm gonna get what I want and break reality to get it right yeah the question at the end is not what do you save but what do you sacrifice 
Mm-hmm. It does not ask you save Arcadia Bay, save Chloe. It asks mm-hmm. sacrifice Arcadia yeah. Bay, sacrifice does, Chloe. You're right. So I think it's really it's commentary on time travel of you know you can't have everything you want. You will have to give up something. Mm-hmm. You are not using your power to make things better. You are using your power to mitigate damage. Right. Yeah. And Maxine wrestles with that throughout the story too. She's sort of like at the, especially the end when you get to the climax. She's sort of comes to this revelation of like. Oh, I I've done this. This is this is me. Yeah. So uh, knowing that, I felt that the responsible choice was to sacrifice Chloe and save Arcadia Bay. It's the quintessential like trolley problem, right? Like it's very like many versus the few. Yeah. Uh, and I sort of approached it in that same way. But uh, I'm curious, Ashley's. Uh, let's let's start with Park. Uh, what, what did you uh, well, Bay or Bay? I picked Bay <laughs> as in my blue-haired <laughs> punk girlfriend because it was very clear to me what the game wanted me to choose because of exactly as you pointed out the way that they had framed it as sacrifice arcadia bay sacrifice chloe price and i'm just like i know what you want me to do but i kissed this girl twice now fuck you i'm not killing my gays <laughs> oh, that's so funny. this is my ride or die <laughs> honestly i'm just like i know what you want me to do and fuck you all i i basically went like middle guns blazing <laughs> <laughs> just was like fuck all this. I'm just saving Chloe. But I did look up what the cinematic you were given for saving Arcadia I know, Bay I did was, the exact and I'm same like, thing. it's literally got like two to three minutes more cinematic minutes, yep. like animation time on saving Chloe. It's so obvious you're not supposed to pick Chloe, but it felt like a an act of like queer defiance for me. I'm just like fuck you. I'm not killing her. We're running off. (laughs) I love that there's a certain queerness to that, that you were told that this queer romance would destroy the fabric of society, and you stared it right in the eye and went, good. Be gay, do crime. (laughs) Be gay, do crime. Be gay and break the space-time continuum. (laughs) I want that on a t-shirt. No, you know what? It's funny, because I feel the opposite. I I feel like I regret picking the bay. It can drown with all its shitty people. Fuck them. (laughs) Well, you know, but the, the cinematic for sacrificing the bay was so much more optimistic. So if you sacrifice Chloe, like you, you get this like funeral montage and that's kind of it. Uh, yeah, funeral montage that includes Warren and Kate who never met Chloe, don't know her, but still show up for some reason. They're at her grave. If you sacrifice um, the bay, then you, you kind of just get these like really nice images of people kind of just rebuilding their lives after a tornado and Chloe's still alive. So it's like, I feel like I made the wrong choice after I did what you did, Ashley. And I I looked up the cinematic and I was like, well, shit, I picked the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Ashley Cooper? I ended, I ended up saving the Bay as well and sacrificing Chloe, but it goes back to kind of the point that was already made in that the game like very heavily weighs one choice over the other, which I thought Mm -hmm. was not, great choose your own adventure design mm-hmm. okay uh because it very much felt like the game had made a decision and the game knew there was a right and wrong answer to this choice mm-hmm. yeah so there's like the morality version of it right which is like an entire town to save this one person but then also they go out of their way to write all of Chloe's lines in that moment, begging you to sacrifice her to save the town, basically. Yeah. And so just everything in the equation is saying, like, obviously you have to save the town, right? Like, what do you, like, but I guess because this is a choose-your-own-adventure game, you can also do the other thing. And 
for like a big finale choice, I felt that it was really weak because it did feel like there was a right and wrong rather than an A and a B. Yeah. Honestly, Mm -hmm. listening to you talk about it that way and like uh, Travis, you're kind of touching on these themes earlier too of like part of Max's journey and part of the journey of playing this game is that even with time travel, some of your choices have consequences that are inescapable. It almost seems like the game wanted to not have a choice at the end. It wanted you to have yeah. all these choices and kind of do a choose your own adventure game, but for it to really like thematically tie itself up in a nice bow at the end, there really shouldn't have been a choice. It should have been you sacrifice Chloe and you save the bay yeah. and you're kind of like rewriting the space-time continuum, but you're losing your friend because she was supposed to die. She uh, she had already died. Yeah, but to make that choice for you would have betrayed the mechanics of the game. Yeah, it's a lot of the kind of chinks in the armor of this game come from the tyranny of player choice mm. as the number one priority, how they tied up their theme with how their romances were represented and just like... I think they always kind of went back to like player choice. Player choice is number and one. And can we talk about that, please? Because the the tyranny of player choice, like th- this is what I was talking about with Kate. Guys, I I was not ready for that. I really was. Did you did you save her? Or did you let her jump? No, I I she I couldn't, and I she oh, jumped. No. And, oh no! And I I really I I didn't. I haven't felt that deeply for a lost character since maybe when I read the Harry Potter books. Like, I I just sat there and I felt so defeated and I felt a a genuine sense of loss uh, when I watched her jump to her death and I had to stop and put down the game and just sort of take a moment and be like, she's not real it's fine like it's everything's fine i had to like talk myself down you know oh my god if kate jumped i would have replayed the episode i and i wanted to you know but that's the thing i wanted to get through it oh my god you came out the other side of this shattered i'm a broken man so i think we've we've touched Uh, on max's indecision here and i've kind of always seen her power as representative of her indecision. She is so anxious about not knowing what to choose that she can literally break reality with her desire to do the different things. And that is where her power comes from. Mm-hmm. And yet in that one scene, which is in episode two and not even, you know, episode five, that is the only time where she is deprived of her powers, that she is not able to travel back in time. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel like that was a thematic narrative decision that says something about that moment or do you feel like that was a developer kind of gotcha like you don't get your powers for this scene you got to work it out on your own like what do you guys feel about that especially as game writers do you feel like am i missing something there um start with you ashley cooper it definitely felt like a developer gotcha Because for me, Mm -hmm. if it was thematic and important, it would have happened more or again, at least. Yeah. The idea that maybe like in heightened moments of stress, the powers become invalid. And so, you know, every episode or every couple episodes, Max is faced with a moment where it's irreversible. But instead, it was just this one thing. And so weirdly early in the game, too. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like that was developer intended. And the fact that it was early on, I think that was the developer's way of trying to really hit home like what the stakes of this mechanic is, like this rewinding time feature and like getting it wrong. 
But when you're trying to plot out certain beats and like what your highs and lows of a story arc are, sometimes you have to engineer things and try and like funnel them into a certain way so that you know that the right beats are going to hit at the right time. The whole thing with Kate definitely feels like it was one of those moments to me. And I do love this game. And there's a lot about it that I really like because it is very much about immersing you in an experience. And it actually does that very well. There's a lot about it that I find clunky too. And I think that at least tonally or in terms of like what emotion the game is trying to make you feel with Kate, with Chloe and the other timeline, the only emotion is pain. This game is about making you feel the most pain possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you're asking yourself, like, am I a masochist? Because I'm enjoying this experience. I completely agreed with you guys, and now I'm a little more unsure having watched the video. This is going back to the Innuendo Studios video, um, which I'm borrowing from so heavily here. Basically, his idea was that there was the two stories, right? The coming-of-age story where you have to learn to sacrifice things for the greater good. Society demands certain sacrifices of you, which is the story that we all kind of felt that the developers were pushing us towards, you know, the trolley problem kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that the other side of it was that you have to learn to live with your mistakes, that that's what the other ending was trying to tell you, that the only reason you ended up this far with destroying Arcadia Bay is because you keep going back in time to change things. And just because you think that you're trying to go back and do what fate intended will not fix it. That jumping back just one more time to make sure Chloe dies doesn't help. Just stop. Stop using the power. Stop jumping back. Stop thinking that you can make things better because you keep making them worse. Accept that certain mistakes will happen and certain problems will occur and you have to live with your mistakes. You have to live with the consequences of what you've done. And trying to undo those things could cause more harm. Mm-hmm. I love that so much, but I wish that was in the text. Yeah. I agree. I completely <laughs> agree with you. I think... That's just what they were going for, and they failed at, honestly. Mm. I mean, it's such a profound lesson. Like, I think that's that's such a compelling way to frame that ending. Mm-hmm. And if that, like, if that had been part of the conversation between Chloe and Max at the end, I would have had a lot tougher time making my decision, I think. Yeah, and it sucks even more knowing that you could make that decision to sacrifice Arcadia Bay, go with Chloe, and have that unrest and unease sitting with you of like, oh, what would have happened if I jumped back? I'll never really know. Okay, I'm going to go onto YouTube and find out. Yeah. Like, and then that kind of ruins <laughs> it. Knowing that you can know what that answer was, it kind of ruins it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I... I Anyways, it's not to say that you guys are wrong. I completely still agree with you, but I feel like it adds some nuance to it and maybe some ideas of where they were going with it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But no, I find that so fascinating. And I think what I like the most about this game's life is that there's so many different readings that people can take from it. And it resonated so much within the LGBTQ plus community too. And that, you know, players, even if it's not in the text, can approach it and find a different thing that they related or resonated with them and read it in a different way. And that's kind of like, I think, what is the center of the conflict I have with the game is just in terms of how I feel with it. It feels very much almost like Harry Potter. There's a lot of readings you can take from the material that's not in the text. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that invalidates someone's reading of it. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the issues that I had with the Chloe and Max romance, at least in the first game, 
The first time you kiss Chloe in the bedroom, she's shocked, and it doesn't actually read as romantic at all. She deflects, she jokes about it, and tries to dismiss it, and she actually reads as feeling very uncomfortable about what happened. And she makes some jokes about, oh, Warren will have to fight me for you, but it kind of fits in with her character of always using deflective humor. And it's really only until the very end, oh. before you're supposed to kill her, that you get a real kiss from her, if you decided to romance her that way. That is so interesting to me that you read it that way. Yeah, and I rewatched the cinematic again, too, like of the kiss in the bedroom, and I'm like, that's a chick that like was daring you, and you called her on her bluff, and now she doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh totally. see, I didn't, I didn't read it as that at all. Really? Yeah, I had a very different read of that because I only came out three years ago. So I've spent the vast majority of my life closeted. And I have been in a lot of situations where I was extremely uncomfortable because somebody had called me on something or where I would put myself in situations where I could feign ignorance or feign disinterest or something like that when I really wanted that thing. Because it was a way to forego responsibility. Mm -hmm. If it went the way that I wanted, I could still wash my hands of it if anybody looked at it the wrong way. And so that's what I got out of that. The way that I read it was that Chloe wanted the kiss and did not expect to get it, but then wasn't sure what to do about it when she got it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I always read her dynamic with Rachel as romantic. Right. And and that's the really the piece of that puzzle that lends that read of the narrative uh, credit. Because I feel like her relationship with Rachel does support that idea that your experience with that was exactly how she was approaching the kiss with you. Yeah. And like maybe it was when I played it that really heavily (laughs) impacted my read of it because it was very shortly after I had come out. And so like the minute Chloe said that Rachel left dot, dot, dot without me, I was like, gay. Like like, that, it did, it, nothing about that felt like someone who was missing their best friend. I was like, oh, this is a deep rooted romantic betrayal she's feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's how I read the entire relationship going forward. Yeah. Oh, I definitely got the sense too that Chloe was a queer character from the get-go. And like, I know that um, the developers intended for that to be ambiguous so that when you played the prequel, you still had the choice of just being friends with Rachel Amber or being romantically interested in her. And I'm like, nah, she loved her. Like, like she gay. Like, that's so <laughs> fucking clear. But what wasn't clear to me was whether Max was queer. Max, to me, in the first game, feels like she's capital Q questioning mm-hmm. if you decide to go that route. And again, back to the tyranny of player choice, because you can choose to romance Warren, you can choose to romance Chloe, you can choose to not romance either of them. So many of those interactions and dialogue choices have to be kind of open-ended, but that kind of also translates to a lack of commitment. Right. And it's not a Bioware game. There's no heart icon to be like, this is a romance (laughs) option, sort of. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) It's funny. I I feel like this all happens because... Uh, we are queer and we read into these things and the developers, like you said, may have pivoted towards it, but I feel like our queerness is definitely affecting our reading of the game. Like at certain moments that definitely would pop up where, um, where David is harassing Kate and you have the choice to either take a photo or intervene. Like I, I took the photo thinking I need evidence to prove that this guy is an asshole and that he's harassing girls. And then the game seemed to think that this was the idea of, oh, no, you're taking the photo for art. 
like for this great photographic moment. And I don't think I know a single queer person or honestly any person of color who's going to look at an authority figure screaming at someone and think, yes, that's why I took the photo for art, as opposed to like, no, we need evidence of abuse by authority figures. And I, I think that wasn't intended by the developers on any level, but that's what we see in it because that's the experience that we've lived. Or when David is harassing Chloe. Step douche, right? Yeah, yeah. step douche. When he knows he can't call Chloe on being a lesbian or bisexual or you know queer in any way or whatever, he knows that he can't call her on it. So it's about the drugs. It's about the music. It's about the rebellious lifestyle because he knows he can't say those things. Whoa, that's such an interesting take on that. Oh my god. Because goodness. my family, that's how they treated me. It was never, you know, the fact that you're queer. It's your that you're hanging out with these people. Oh, wow. That you are going into theater, that you're doing this. It was all this like coded language to get around not being, you know, homophobic, but just it's all these other things that are attached to it. We just don't like musicals, Travis. Not in this house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So I I feel like our queerness definitely influences these reads, for sure. Um, Do you guys feel like your queerness sort of, like, made you see Chloe as queer or anything like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that and her blue hair. The blue hair is the biggest (laughs) one. (laughs) But, like, I'm really interested to hear, like, how Ashley, other Ashley's, like, reading of this was, because, like, our queerness is a little different, because, like, what I felt when I was playing through that whole friendship, relationship, maybe a romance, whatever it was, like, really came from my own set of experiences. Like, one of the reasons why I really like the game, but I also feel like conflicted about it is I've been in situations where because I identify as bi, I haven't quite fit in with the rest of the queer community, or I faced a lot of biphobia within the queer community. Yeah. So to see Max do this dance with Chloe because of a game mechanic, honestly, because of player choice, where she's can read as wishy-washy, not really wanting to commit, where they're dancing around saying something outright that really hit home for me of like, oh, this again, huh? Like, like she, is she really, is she, is she just another bi character that just like is going to be seen as a fence-sitter or as someone who can't like make up her mind or literally, because Chloe literally calls her out on it in the text, can rewind that kiss so that it never happened. Right. And the thing is, I think that if, it had just been Chloe and Max, that would have been okay. But then I played Before the Storm and you learn more about Chloe's story with Rachel Amber. And even just the way Rachel Amber's kind of positioned in these games, I'm like, oh boy. (laughs) Because Rachel Amber in the text never outright says she's queer, never outright says she's bi or she's pan or anything like that. Yeah, like she's portrayed as being manipulative and Mm -hmm. and in canon, she will use people's feelings about her to exploit them and and get what she wants. And so we kind of get the sense of that from her interaction with the drug dealer, Frank. Yeah, exactly. And then the only character that she canonically in the text has feelings for is Mr. Jefferson, the photography teacher, who's the fucking serial killer. The thing is, is like she's kind of positioned as this femme fatale. Chloe, Frank, all these people that had feelings for her put her on this pedestal. She used people. And then at the end of the day, she got killed in a dark basement. And then the prequel kind of also coded her as being mystical. She kind of was always associated with fire. And they even at what in like kind of the beginning tried to position her as having like Native American magical powers. And it was very fucking uncomfortable. (laughs) Like, oh, uh, so playing through those games and seeing that. 
mm-hmm. um, and having experienced certain things gave me a different reading of those dynamics and those characters that kind of just made me sit afterwards and being like, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you make me curious to experience the, the prequel now. Yeah. I have, I've only played the original. I haven't played anything else. And now mm-hmm. I'm starting to be like, Oh, um, do I get to save Alyssa from as much like benign trauma, <laughs> like just getting splashed by puddles or hit by pool noodles and stuff like that? <laughs> I, I would highly recommend the sequel. It, like, Oh my God. It not only was it a gut punch emotionally, um, mm-hmm. but also, like, I feel like it radicalized me even further left than I already am. I, I don't want to give anything away because I, I hate to ruin it for because it's a little more recent. Yeah, I haven't played it. And I really, I, I might actually now, especially at this juncture. Yeah, so I, I won't spoil it. I will say that there is a lovely Easter egg where you get to see what's happened to David, of all people. Oh, interesting. I, I will spoil this much, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, at a point in the story, you end up at like, a hippie commune is really the only way I can describe it of people who have run out to the middle of the desert said, fuck society. I can't deal with it. And they live together sort of cut off from the rest of the world. I get to go to burning man. (laughs) Yeah. We're pretty much, pretty much sick. They do have a giant statue in the center. So like, you know, Um, (laughs) David is there. And depending on what choice you tell the game you made in life is strange one, he's there for different reasons. I said that I had sacrificed Chloe and he will basically talk about how losing Chloe broke him. He could have had this relationship with her. He could have had a daughter. And he threw that away on his idea of law and order and militarism and doing the right thing and that kind of thing. Um, His rigid ways prevented him from ever having a relationship uh, and may have even driven her to certain activities that would have led to her death. So he feels responsible. Um, So yeah, it it was really touching to see how much Chloe's death has affected him and how much he wants to be a better person Mm -hmm. uh, and how much he has absolutely rejected the idea of the military and the police and how how transforming that this experience has been for him. Uh, And I remember stumbling across him and being like, whoa, dude, what are you doing here? And finding out... (laughs) all this had happened to him was like so touching for me and really brought back up a lot. So, um, Mm. and that's one moment in the entire season. The whole season is fantastic. So I couldn't recommend it enough. Okay. And just to touch on the other flip side of that Easter egg, if you tell the game that you decided to save Chloe, you can run into David again Mm -hmm. and you can see that the developers realize what the reaction to Chloe and Max was. And I think have kind of like quietly pivoted to make that more what they think that the golden path was because Mm. in that Easter egg with David, then he'll show you a postcard and his relationship with Chloe has improved dramatically. He's still like left behind the military and the police because her being alive and being with Max has like kind of, I guess like shown him the light. And so Chloe and Max are just like on the road, living their best lives. They send postcards every now and again, and they're just like in their truck, still just like doing their thing. Heck yes. Yay. Thelma and Louise. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, we are uh, coming to the close of our episode. We are running out of time. Uh, before we go, I do want to ask you guys, starting with Ashley Cooper, what you've been playing lately? I have been playing very different games than this. I actually just finished playing Silent Hill 3 for the first time ever. Ooh. Um, and absolutely loved that. I'm a chicken shit that loves horror games. <laughs> and I, I jump at absolutely everything, and the Silent Hill games have a lot to jump at. Awesome. 
Okay, Ashley Park, what you playing? Actually, I've been playing Pokemon Shield. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yay! And as someone whose last Pokemon game was Pokemon Blue on the Game Boy Color, this has been a major upgrade. I'm like, wow. what the fuck do you mean we get experience all we can just fast travel. I don't need to teach a Pokemon fly. What is this? Oh, I Girl, I know. Yeah, quality of life is at an all-time high. I went from Pokemon Yellow to Pokemon Moon and was like, oh my goodness. Like, mm-hmm. I was not prepared. In 2020, you know, you sometimes feel like the world is is a bleak place. You know, we've seen this pandemic. Uh, we're, we're seeing, you know, people calling out systemic racism. But I think that one thing we can all point to as a society is that the quality of life in Pokemon has gotten way much better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a sign of progress in our time. The uniting force of the world, Pokemon. Let's let's be thankful. <laughs> I, I do actually want to take this moment to shout out um, Pokemon Go uh, or the company that runs it, which is Niantic. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of companies over the past week have been putting out very empty statements about, you know, Black Lives Matter, sure, but we're not going to do anything about it. Whereas Niantic, they're donating uh, at minimum $5 million to uh, black charities. They have donated, I believe it was $100,000 on top of the $5 million to the Marsha P. Johnson Foundation. They have specifically hired some people um, to educate them about racial injustice and transgender issues um, because they have specifically said... Uh, We are very sick of watching companies say that it is up to their own employees to educate the rest that they want, you know, actual professionals teaching them. It is up to white people. It is up to cis people to educate themselves on the injustice of the world and to fix these problems. It's not up to the marginalized communities to make these fixes. Um, There was a huge five page statement of all the things that we're going to do. And I was just really impressed. That's really rad. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, sorry. Getting back to it. Mike, what you playing? (laughs) Uh, I just played Life is Strange, and that really took up literally days in a row to get through it. So uh, I'm probably now going to go play the prequel and the sequel uh, because it has forever altered the course of my life. Uh, so I get to experience the the tyranny of player choice uh, over and over again for the next like little while. Cool. Uh, I will say Ashley was joking about live tweeting the experience to her friends. I want you to do that with Life is Strange too. I love that game oh, so yeah? much and okay. I really want to know what choices you make <laughs> and what happens to you and what, what tears you shed. Is, is anyone going to, like, I just don't know if I can handle another roof jump scenario. That was that was just something else. But uh, Travis, also, what, what are you playing? Um, I have been finishing up Final Fantasy VII Remake. We finally got to the honeybee. We yeah. got to see Cloud and Drag. It was... Oh my God! everything it was just amazing uh there is this incredible moment where tifa sees cloud in drag and goes wait cloud is that you you, oh my god you you and he goes yes i know nailed it thank you moving on (laughs) no does he does he say nailed it yes i know nailed it thank you moving on like that's the exact perfect that's amazing 100 percent it's Ugh. great. I love it. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been playing lately. Um, next up, uh, if you guys check out our Twitter page, we have been publishing lists of black developed games uh, that you should all check out. And uh, that is next on my list after Final Fantasy VII Remake to go experience those games and support those uh, artists. Very cool. All right. And yeah, thank you guys for, uh, I don't know, I was overly excited about this game. I'm really glad I had the chance to talk about it with you guys. Yeah. Ashley Park, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> awesome. And Ashley Cooper, thank you for joining us. Anytime. This is a blast. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. This has been Rainbow Road. (laughs) 
If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at Rainbow Road Pod or get in touch with us for future episodes at RainbowRoadPodcast at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of our guests today and our producer, Matt Kennar. Thanks for listening to Rainbow Road. <laughs>